0: Hello everyone and welcome back once again to the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour Series 1. My name is your host, Jason Rutledge. First a quick shout out to all of you who are listening to the show all across the United States, Uh, California, Maryland, that one person in New Hampshire, whoever you are. Also all across the world, United Kingdom, Australia, thank you all so much for listening. Thanks to all of you who liked our Facebook page or followed our Instagram. We really do appreciate every last one of you. Comment on the post or send us an email anytime autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. So here we are at episode three, Salem's Lot and the slow creeping death of small town America. Specifically, we're basing this discussion on the 1970s TV movie adaptation of Salem's Lot, but we're also touching on the book and a little bit about Stephen King's works in general. I'm joined in the studio once again by Nathan and Katie, so let's get on with the show. But first, James Mason wants to clear the room a little bit.
1: You can do nothing against the master stop holy man cut the boy's throat back back holy man back shaman back priest Ow! But, uh, yeah you didn't want you didn't want to do the three sooges greeting now
0: no, You we're seemed gonna,
2: very heartbroken I, over I was a little
0: no, I, I I've gotten over it. Some, it could be heartburn. Something but. more along the lines of, welcome back to the Smooth Earls Radio Hour, coming to you from the glorious man-butt of Old East Dallas. In this episode, Salem's Lot. We're all very excited. I can tell. Yes. I'm looking at Nathan. He's, he's excited as all game out about this one. Pensive. Yeah. It does make you think. Things like, you know, why am I sitting through three hours of this all in <laughs> one go?
1: The podcast or the...
0: Either one. <laughs>
2: Well, in my case, it was three hours of the movie and 17 hours of the book.
0: Wow. Yep. That's dedication. No, I did right that there.
2: all this week because I was like, at least this way, I will have maybe more to sure. add.
0: Yeah. Well, so, when, different perspective. when it was released as a TV movie in 1979, it was spread over two nights, November 11th and November 24th. They skipped a week. They had a bye week so everybody could kind of catch their breath.
1: Yeah.
2: Take over- in what they watched. <laughs>
1: I don't know it's if in the that. Thanksgiving <laughs> holiday, so. Yeah,
2: that yeah. it's a peculiar time to choose to do it.
0: Um, it is. The 70s were a peculiar time just <laughs> all the way around. Uh, it did become immensely popular. It's often cited along with um, Duel, which came out as a TV movie in yeah. the 70s, and The Night Stalker, of course, which yeah. is the gold standard of and 70s. Movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I wish they'd go back to TV movies. Like I like the split up where it can be longer than you know a you film, but don't
0: wish for these kinds of things. I, it, yeah, they really
1: have you drove seen the it. sequel to Thor?
0: Well,
2: true, oh. and now it wouldn't work anyway with everything just going straight to streaming. Look you get the, a whole yeah. season at yeah. a time, so really we kind of do no, get TV movies. Yeah, you're movies. right.
1: It was an event, so, and there was an anticipation look for up it. The, mm-hmm. Look up the history of the Winds of War, which is
0: really okay. the last time this kind of thing was done. They spread that out over a fall and a spring release because it was 36 hours oh, wow. yeah. of this thing. And they really drove the TV movies straight into the ground after that. Yeah, North
1: and there. South. Before North that, it south, was yeah. long, long,
2: long. Well, it's road. interesting that TV movies were even separate from television series because it's really kind of the same thing because then you have miniseries and things like mm-hmm. that where it is, okay, you only know you're getting this finite amount of episodes. So what is the... Difference between the TV movie and miniseries, anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just a lot of it was adaptations of novels Mm -hmm. like Roots and Rich Man Poor Man. And this. I mean, well, you get
2: this, and this is called a TV movie. but then, when the stand came out, it was called a mini series. No,
1: it was. This was it wasn't a mini series. I'm pretty uh, okay. sure. Yeah, that was the term that's kind of like lost to the ages. Right. Mm-hmm. I was
2: just especially curious what, especially when you get the DVD the, yeah. and it's
1: cut together.
2: Well, they're also kind of s-
1: they were also kind of stuck with this
0: in that you either do an hour and a half TV movie or you do three hours and you're stuck in that hour and a half chunk mm-hmm. set. So they were kind of well, we want to go, we want to be two hours, but we can't. We have to. We can't stop there. We have to keep on going and make this three hours long, which they may not have wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Monash, the guy who wrote this thing, was even nominated for an Edgar Allan Poe Award just for attempting to adapt this thing into a three-hour TV movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he won or not. I'm not sure what he... I didn't look it up.
2: Even, just being nominated is kind of awesome because you are taking a larger source material and for the most part did justice to it. It's not like it it didn't... It wasn't railroaded. It was decent for what it was.
0: Ringing endorsement.
2: I don't, I mean, for what it
1: was. Well, the bare essentials were
2: covered. Because there is a lot in the original source material that could be left out. I mean,
1: you could have done a King novel. Are you serious? Yeah, instead of two parts, (laughs) just to cover everything. To take
2: that amount and do it in just three hours, he did a good job with that.
1: Yeah, and you get to see Fred Willard in trunks. So. You do silk ones, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah, so that's that's what <laughs> an hour right there,
0: if you want. It. <laughs> I'm sure in the book there was an entire chapter dedicated to the shorts. <laughs> I haven't read nope, the book. in Nope, any. nope. <laughs> nope. just listen it to it. it. Nope. This is Toby Hooper got the chance to direct this one. Toby, Toby, yes, Toby, Toby. Okay, it's just Toby.
2: I've heard it also pronounced Tobe. Yeah. And for like the majority of my life, I've always said Tobe Hooper. And then one day they're like, no, it's Toby. And I was like, oh my God.
0: Yeah. So there's a huge cast in this movie. Elijah Cook Jr. Well, yeah. I don't know why I mentioned him first, but yeah. you got to have Elijah <laughs> Cook Jr. show up.
1: He's Maltese not... Maltese Falcon, c- right? Isn't
0: he in that? No. I don't think so. He was in House on Haunted Hill. He, he was in is House on Haunted House Hill. East
2: Thank Island. you
1: very much. You
0: he was in Maltese Falcon. Wilmer
2: Cook.
1: Yeah. Oh. Huh. Well, good for he him. He's also in Blackula.
2: And Rosemary's Baby.
1: And Messiah of Evil, if you want his other horror credits. Messiah of Evil. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: You have James Mason, who is great in everything. James who is, Mason. Who can be threatening with every word he says, yeah. whether it's good evening or coffee, tea, like <laughs> just, the, just attacking you right. in every way. I'm not so sure David soul was the best choice for this one, though. I know they wanted to get you know your popular hunky '70s blonde guy yeah. into there, but he was definitely in vogue at the time. He yeah. was, but they they couldn't have gotten anybody else to do that. He just doesn't really do much.
2: They also had no chemistry whatsoever.
1: No, I mean
2: Eric Estrada
1: would have been
0: a better choice. was
2: very off.
1: I felt. mean, what between him and Bonnie, Bonnie Bedelia? Bedelia?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I think he's. But he's to play the outsider who's coming back kind of thing. I I think he's great in it. But well, I just like him. I think he's underrated.
2: I think they also really play down that character in the film. Yeah, that's possible. In that's what I was going to ask you, having just that read and
1: gone through it again. Well, he is kind of a
0: dick for the first half hour of this. Of this oh, whole yeah. Movie. Yeah.
2: Like I really An
0: intrusive guy. It's just you it, know. what do you do? Just, I'm a writer. Yeah. What do you write? Books. Okay. Yeah,
2: Good it, talking it's, to you, it's just Davidson. very different. <laughs> in the film
1: so okay given the era who would you have thought would have been a better
2: no? I, I, I'm not I uh, mean
1: anyone? Eric Estrada uh,
2: I also think in my kay. head personally having sure. just read it they casted him too old I pictured him younger uh, Okay.
0: he does seem to be quite a bit older than Bonnie Bedelia mm-hmm. in this
1: movie
2: which yeah. there is which an age gap in the book because it's very predominant but saying. he seems a lot older than her
1: You didn't get that? I don't know. I mean, they seem within, you know, she'd been acting far longer than he had. All the kids those days wore green corduroy jackets. Oh,
2: man. (laughs) I'd love to have a green corduroy jacket. (laughs) With
1: patches
0: on the elbows. Mm. I don't know. It it was the bee's knees. Do they ever (laughs) say
2: how old he's supposed to be? No. And either? Uh, no, I don't think they, so. Okay. They don't.
0: He's been a successful writer for some time. Right. We understand and that. And even when
1: he visits his teacher, I don't think they even talk about at what no. point he was in school or mm-hmm. any of that. If he was in school? Well, he was. Oh, I
0: mean, well, I he assume. was in the book.
2: I don't know if they ever really acknowledge that in the film, because he quit like, college level
3: school.
0: Mm. Early on, we get our first appearance of the Marston house, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Does it look a hell of a lot like the Psycho House or is that just me? I thought it was built to have that It's definitely got –
1: I don't know if it was designed for that or, you know, chosen for that purpose, but it does have that foreboding – I mean, it's a house on Haunted Hill kind of, um,
2: Yeah. man yeah. well, nothing color like tone. the house, nothing like, like the house in that movie. Because, like, even though Psycho is black and white, yeah. like, the, house the house still th- has that tonal... Well, the house yeah.
0: in this movie is black and white. Exactly. I don't yeah. see it. I don't, I'm not sure that was an accident. I mean, in every no. other aspect, the art direction was spot on. So I had to think this was done intentionally, intentionally. to look this way.
1: Yes, I would agree with that, definitely.
2: Probably to ev- evoke that feeling because, you know, you, you're used to seeing... Mm-hmm. It a certain way
0: well, one thing we get in this movie which is something that i think stephen king and disney have in common follow me here so, <laughs> and if this was a first really for tv movies was that we get child victims this was not something that was done this was a big no-no throughout mm-hmm. tv movies until this one those are the first victims we get mm-hmm. in this thing are these kids Victimizing children has been a theme for most of Disney's movies also. I mean, separation of the kids from the parents is an ongoing theme throughout them. That's what Bambi is about, Dumbo's about, all of them. And I don't know if that's something King picked up on uh, intentionally or if this is something that I'm just imagining. Well, he just...
2: He writes children in situations in general, not even necessarily Mm. in a, a violence aspect. He just has a weird way of portraying children in books. And I don't even mean necessarily just (laughs) them themselves, but like the one scene in it Uh that's always talked about when the book is talked about. And there's even like some weird mentions in the Salem's Lot book. And it's like, you okay? Like, why do you Uh, always go this way when writing children? hmm. So whether it be violence or anything sexual in nature, things like that, he always portrays children in, lights that we normally wouldn't see them in.
1: So definitely unique in his portrayal.
2: We'll go with that. We could say
0: that. You
1: could say that. Okay. Fair
0: (laughs) enough. I just thought it was really strange that, you know, he not only are the kids the first victims, they're the first recruits, really, because the adults didn't start getting recruited as the Vampire Legion until a little bit later. But he, he gets the kids first.
2: Yes. It's the same in the Sp- book. I was trying to remember if it was the yeah. same in the book.
0: Specifically, these two irritating little kids. That's a good the kid. the, the Glick kids. I, don't, I have to think that they had to know what they were doing there, exactly. And they had to know they were pushing, pushing an envelope as far as TV movies goes.
2: Well, they do it very tastefully in the sense that you don't... Other than seeing a body later, you don't see anything happen to them. It's bloodless. It's
0: absolutely bloodless. Right. Mm-hmm. For, I think, the entire movie. I don't think there's a spot of blood in this thing. When... It's until Danny, the antlers thing happens at the end.
2: Danny Glick? Is that his name? Daniel? When uh, he returns home, there is a smear of blood on his oh, forehead. Okay. But you don't really see... Are you talking really about the first see, kid?
0: Because I couldn't figure out how the first... Okay, the first kid gets abducted in the woods, right?
2: You don't see or hear right, anything just, from him But when he until, shows up
0: again, he's changed into pajamas.
2: Well, because... Who, how when, did he get changed into remember, pajamas? Remember, <laughs> is it Stryker? Stryker? Like
0: did he... Striker? He
2: takes him out of the body bag. Like... In the book, you never see or hear anything from that kid until he shows up at, actually, Mark's window, not his brother's window. And in the the movie, or TV movie, they actually show him taking him out of the body bag and things like that. And then he shows up.
0: So the vampire put him in pajamas.
2: Um, Well, the the helper.
0: I just really want to know where the pajamas came from, is the thing I'm getting at. Well, there's even a
2: bit in the book where they talk about finding his clothes and shoes in the basement of the Marston house. Ah. And he goes to the, pol- well, not the police, but Lawrence about it. And he's like, don't worry about it because he's not supposed to cause anything for, uh, Mr. Sh- Sh- Starker, Stark, Stryker. 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 Yeah. I don't know why I can't remember that. Mr. But, uh, so it is interesting that you see,
1: <laughs> well, that's what we're getting to. Starkers and they found them. And then they put pajamas, then, yeah, but go. it's
2: interesting that they showed that. In the the TV movie, because they don't talk about that in the book. There's just his clothes in the basement, and then when he shows up at the window, he's dressed.
1: Mm.
0: Huh. I see. If only the TV movie audience back in the 70s had had that plot hole filled in for them. Yeah. You're welcome. They weren't as I suppose. <laughs> haunted for years as well, that's, I have been.
2: That's what I was saying, where it's weird <laughs> the things they chose to put in the TV film and the things to keep out. It's just weird the little things that. It's like, okay.
0: I hadn't read the book in like 25 years no. when I first started in college. Not missing I, much. Really?
2: I'm not a big fan of his writing. I think he's amazing at story building and he makes some amazing characters, but his writing style is not my cup of tea at uh. all. And I love the TV movies that are based on his work. But his books are too dense. Well,
0: is that why there's been so many adaptations? Because everybody looks at these books and thinks, I could have done better with this material. Well, if
2: anymore. you if you think about it, you have your people who are undying supporters of King. Right. Or eh, I could take it or leave it. You never have somebody <laughs> like well no, or they just don't like it. You don't have the people who are like, it's whatever. So it's they're not they're
1: not mortal. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's usually one way or the other. You okay. don't have the in between. But yeah. I do think he is amazing at creating stories. Yeah. I just don't think he could write his way out of a paper bag. Which clearly I'm not right because he's made a whole. You've just given him an idea it. for a novel. And To be
1: fair, we don't, don't your know. Way out of an actual
0: yeah. And I'm paper
2: sure he's for he's episode i I'm going to get torn him. into about this. But I can I am not a fan of his writing. Well, that's
1: I've, fair. I mean, I've you don't tried have over to be the years everybody, you know. To to
2: read yeah. his stuff, but this is the first thing I've ever started and completed. Because usually by the first couple of chapters, I'm like, I I just can't. Yeah. And it absolutely. isn't anything about the story. I just don't like his writing. So
1: that was a bit of an odd duck. Still am. But you know, elementary school I used to read a lot of Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time I read this book. Mm. Um but I don't know. I've not revisited a lot of his stuff since. I don't know if I'd feel the same way about it. But at the time I loved it. But in a way, everything for me is always movie associated. Mm-hmm. So it was in
2: a Well, and that's movie what got me into in
1: him. Even though it was the source material for mm-hmm. the movie, I was like, I gotta read this. And, then, and
2: maybe I bit off more than I could chew, because in middle school the first thing I tried to read was the stand because I watched uh, the it's mini-series a bit daunting. Yeah, And yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. Wow. And um and it's like I told him off this. I try to read his stuff and remember that this is set in 1975, but there are things that it's like, it's just too problematic. Like I know times were different, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to have to trudge through homophobic slurs or extreme misogyny or (laughs) things like that. So for me, it makes it difficult and even even if i grew up reading his stuff i didn't grow up in 1975 right. so i still would have had that disconnect in in time
1: well yeah and even then it was glaring i remember mm-hmm. just being some of the characters in various novels would shock you and and but that you know, that was his mm. approach to that character but yeah i don't know how i'd feel about it mm-hmm. now i struggled well, yeah
0: one thing that does come up a lot in his stories and especially in it most recently is this notion of the evil place, which is the clip we're gonna see now. Kind of demonstrates what I'm
3: talking about. Jason, do you believe a thing can be inherently evil? I've seen trees that look like tortured spirits. A house. Marston House, for instance. Can it be evil in its stone foundations, in its wooden beams, in the glass of its windows, in the plaster of its ceilings? Evil. The man who built that house yeah, joshua vaughn killed his wife and a servant and hanged himself in his bedroom closet huey marston's sister and wife died mysteriously rumors of poison never proved and then he came here and the young boys in the area started to disappear
0: well two of them to be
3: fair
1: they were young but
0: this though. is this is something that comes up when i say it also is that The idea partially with that is Pennywise didn't corrupt the town, Pennywise was a product of the corruption of the town Mm -hmm. that was already there. And you also, you kind of get this impression with Salem's Lot also, is like, the house didn't start this, it was simply a symptom of this.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's what I I love about his writing is that he does have those overarching Mm -hmm. like points to the story. And I think that's where his writing does work well, but it just isn't always necessarily cohesive.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the, the, the evil place thing is also a theme that I mean, I would say David Lynch even touched on in mm. Blue Velvet. Mm. We have this facade that has been constructed. Everybody knows these terrible things are happening. Right. No one will acknowledge it until it becomes far too late and we have to burn the whole place down.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And, and it is a, a go-to thing that he does Quite a bit, I think.
2: Don't spoil anything. <laughs> I'm working through his movies stuff no, 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 no. I'm okay, just saying, okay, I was in like... In terms of Stephen
1: King's
0: uh, no, was, you, You're yeah, familiar yeah, yeah. enough with King to know what's going to happen. No, I in meant story. David
2: Lynch's stuff. Oh, David yeah.
0: Lynch's stuff. But, <laughs> so... Well, no, I mean...
2: But I get what you're saying, because it is, especially in horror, uh-huh. it is a common thread of evil exists and sometimes well,
0: especially in smaller towns oh, yeah. like Salem's lot which is very much about the death of small town America mm-hmm. as a whole i w- was thinking about tying this into the spread of walmart What's well, it's true which though was, didn't come to maine until 1991 so i'm not sure how right. that factored into how salem's lot was written but you certainly had the same things that happened you have this presence that comes into a town and just devours it from the inside out
2: and even with singular that, characters in that, like the guy who runs the we're moving... We're
0: not getting Walmart as a sponsor either, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm That's
2: more than okay with that. <laughs> <it's>... But uh, <laughs> even with the character of um, the man who uh, runs the moving company, mm-hmm. like specifically in the book, they talk about him basically having the monopoly on moving and how he has become this millionaire because of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, he, he has no competition there. So even within smaller characters not necessarily the evil characters in the story it still shows that corruption for sure. lack of a better word
0: well they touch on this also in this thing you have crockett our real estate guy played in a sunny oh. crockett
2: see that's a who I a glorious
0: pair of red uh, silk pajamas under mm-hmm. shorts by fred willard <laughs>
2: That is he's, who I was talking he's about.
0: He's an absolute tool throughout this entire movie. I mean, and he utilizes that into, tool no and boy. he gets them in trouble.
2: <laughs> which is, they're not who has the affair in the book, which oh. I thought was really interesting. It's him
1: and the George he, DeZunda character?
0: <laughs> Never mind. Anyway. But, but anyway, Fred Willard Crockett is entirely manipulated by money completely throughout this entire thing.
1: Yeah, that's true. He,
0: Hook, line, and sink. Well, he's not, in. that's not well, I all mean, he's manipulated He's who by. turns
2: the blind eye in the book when they come to him and say, we found these clothes, and they mm-hmm. were the clothes that the kid who's missing was last seen in. He's like, mm, not my problem, because he knows if he causes issues. There's name changes of characters mm-hmm. from the book to the film, which I'm glad I did it so close, because I probably wouldn't have caught that.
0: Mm. Something else that came up in that clip that is repeated at least two times is Ben Meir starts telling the story of the house... And he makes a specific mention of the whole event, like this guy killed his wife and killed his kids. This other guy killed his wife and kids. He mentions that he had a wife before, but will not say what happened to her. Right. So I keep thinking there's a lot of guilt in this guy. Either mm-hmm. he actually was responsible for their deaths or he feels completely responsible for their deaths. And that's why he he's compelled to, to come it. back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they spell that out explicitly, not they certainly don't in the movie, but it's very heavily implied that there's very some, there's something going on there with this guy.
2: They go into what happened to his wife in the book, but it's never once like the people in the town are like, oh, it's a possibility he was involved, hmm. but it never says one way or the other if he is the reason the accident happened because it was a motorcycle accident. I the would the
1: blame the motorcycle then. Yeah. Yes, they, they hit a moving truck. truck and oh, and a moving truck. Well to then, blame. Fred he Willard.
2: <laughs> it wasn't it was. Sorry, Jerusalem slot uh,
0: <laughs> I don't think they mentioned Fred Willard explicitly in the book either.
1: Well, I don't know why you wouldn't
0: mention it explicitly. A different, period. It's a different I don't name. understand. Oh, never
2: mind the actor. <laughs> well, um, they did change episode, the name. I'm gonna come out.
1: They did change the name from the book. They actually they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were like, we can't call him Fred Willard. They're gonna. No, the that videos. would be crazy <laughs> because I don't think they're watching this as Spinal Tap or something. And, even it's though a, that hasn't been made yet, I love
0: Fernwood tonight. Yeah, oh, what's wrong with this That's guy. much
1: more closer to the book <laughs> as far as era. Yes, and they're like, why, "Where's Mark?" You're Moll? about to say that Fernwood yeah. tonight was
0: much closer in theme to this to Salem's Lot. Sure, like, why not? <laughs> was it? I don't remember it that way.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, this was an offshoot of Fr- oh. Fernwood tonight, the Salem's Lot <laughs> <laughs> miniseries. No, not at all. But yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. What also struck me is how quickly everybody in this movie completely buys into the vampires. No one has a single doubt in their minds at all. They just, I mean, I think Ben Mears just goes, dude, it's vampires. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean,
2: wouldn't like you that. listen a, a to a man who writes books?
0: He's wearing a green corduroy jacket.
2: I need to listen to him. Yeah.
1: There you go. See that?
0: side of authority. That, the ascot
2: yeah. in The Howling. Green corduroy jacket and this yeah. it shows you and know awesome your shit and
1: awesome hair David Soule had some awesome hair too so it's not of, Albert Finney hair no it's, it's not it Albert Finney we've got hair, weird
2: running themes it doesn't really
1: do. people <laughs> have hair in these movies I've noticed <laughs> well, and especially the werewolves and so, so does the little, little glick and
0: so does the little glick boy when he launches his attack not Jiminy not Jiminy <laughs> in probably the most famous scene from the entire
1: movie
3: <laughs> smooth thrills descriptive audio service activated Blonde boy has woken up to see who is at his window. window. Who could it be? Open the window, Mark. Oh, it's Vampire boy. What does he want? Please, let me in. It's okay, Mark. I'm your friend. He commands it. Blonde boy backs away from the window. He pulls a toy cross from his silly model set. Blind boy is approaching the window. It is very suspenseful. I wish you could see this. He shows it to Vampire Boy. Go away! Vampire Boy is leaving. He don't want of that smoke.
0: It's a little puzzling, but they they kind of hint in this movie also that only Catholics can fight vampires.
2: What is very ca- uh, Catholic heavy with the the it, crucifixes it, well, and. Well, they're
0: more explicit about. It. I mean, even I forget which guy says, "What do? I, why? How can I help? I'm Baptist," mm-hmm. and then somebody else says. Something along the lines of what good would he be in this fight? He's Lutheran.
2: Well, in the, mm. the book, they ask uh, Ben if he has uh, a crucifix. And he's like, no, I was raised Baptist. Why would I have that? Mm. So some of it is like an adventure just trying to find different crucifixes in Salem's lot to use to the uh, vampires.
0: Well, this is fairly new to vampire lore. You, you, if you're a Protestant, you have no shot. <laughs> you're going to get killed by the vampires. <laughs> you're done for. <laughs> have, there Haven't really been many vampires versus Protestant kind of movies or, or a, I that just a want sub-genre a movie called that, that, that vampire versus
2: Protestant, Mormons.
0: yeah. That's they, money in the bank Mor- right there. Do Mormons there. fight
1: vampires? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I imagine so. I don't know.
0: They would, I suppose, if it came down to it, they'd have to, but yeah. They, they don't get it, they don't come right out and say it. I just thought that was a because it's not a deeply religiously themed tv movie right. to be sure right I, they don't they delve had, into it too I much i kind of think they had yeah. to they couldn't i'm not sure that they would want to in right. this case they come close but they, they never quite cross that line and just come right out and say it
2: well in that scene it proves that you just need a cross it doesn't even have to be a crucifix oh,
0: you can make mm-hmm. it out of
2: and depressors. most of you yeah, that is yeah, true yeah. most of your religions in that vein mm. christianity have crosses it's not necessarily just a crucifix. Like you could wear a cross around your neck. So I don't know why it was heavily shown as Catholic because mm. they, yeah, they have crucifixes and like rosary and things like that. But it's mostly in any subsect of Christianity, it has a cross of sorts.
0: Which you can bless just with some tape and saying a brief prayer over it in, in case of emergency. Let's so yeah. say you're in a morgue. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and even Peter
0: that- Cushing put two pieces of wood together. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Peter Cushing put two
1: pieces of wood together.
0: I'm gonna
2: assume. No, two sticks. a, a hammer. Uh, film.
1: What's well, in reference to hammer, but right. it's actually from another. movie.
2: Oh, okay.
1: It's from Star Wars. Alludes to that. No, not at all. But anyway, um,
2: <laughs> if you're gonna make references, you I have know, to let us comment the on them. I know the and I
1: thought we were talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme. Hence the derailed reference right there. What? <laughs> <laughs> or it could have been Burt Lancaster, the train. Anyway, I, go ahead. Oh, my God. And we were... <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I don't <laughs> <laughs> we
2: were talking about whether or not it was going to be heavy on religion.
1: Oh right. yeah. Or they could even delve into that, is mm. what you were saying. Yeah.
0: Is it
2: a matter of could or they wouldn't want to? I don't, I don't
1: think, think they would. Want to. I,
0: I can't imagine the TV studio would be all that eager to dive into... We're
1: dealing with markets. True, and,
0: and when you want to make it more accessible populace, and so
2: things like that. that. And yeah. as
1: we said, this was
0: this aired, the second part of this aired Thanksgiving, pretty much. So I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they dare not go that far. Maybe if there's a remake, which I there wouldn't was a remake. mind.
2: Well,.
1: Yeah, was there? Rob Lowe. And, yeah. Oh, that's why I missed it. It was, okay. yeah, it was, on, it was on TNT. Uh, it was like oh, I get 2004, why? maybe? I don't know. But, of course, Rob Lowe was in The Stand, so that was mm. his connection was to King the before. But, yeah, I, I didn't watch it.
2: 2004. Yep. Yep. Yes.
1: I didn't know that. $7, you owe me. Wow. Remember when you bet me $7? No, I don't, I don't remember that. Oh, and Donald <laughs> Sutherland. Yeah, that's, yeah.
2: I should have watched this one instead.
1: Wow. <laughs> it is available. You can still seek it out.
2: I might do that.
1: So James Mason, who
0: owns the greatest antique yes. store in any small town. If I owned an antique store that looked like this, I think I'd call it Friday the 13th, the series, the antique store. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: I love that show.
1: <laughs> it's, <clears throat> yeah, it's,
0: it's quite amazing. He, he kills throughout this entire movie, and he really didn't need to do this
1: movie. There's no reason why he had... He, there was a lot of movies he didn't need to do. Oh well, yeah, he that's true. To be fair. But uh, <laughs> this was a higher profile project for him at the time, I think. This was a big deal.
0: What had he done just before this? I can't re- can't recall. It was,
1: what did, was I'm right going, before
0: this? Well, yeah. one
1: of my favorite movies he did in the 70s is not considered one of his greatest, but uh, the Charles Bronson film, Cold Sweat, he's pretty amazing in that. And,
2: he a, really
3: he's
1: been that. a lot of TV movies. Yeah, yeah. A lot. Stop, holy
0: man! <laughs> I would. I haven't seen that, but I would think James Mason and Bronson to be a, an odd matchup.
1: He's, it it is, but it, it's a it's a good film.
2: Mandingo. Directed by Terrence
1: Young. Oh, that's why we don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to think about. I just Mandingo. like the
2: title. Cold. Uh,
1: I don't know if you'd like the movie though. Mm. <laughs> no, James Mason's excellent in this. And of course he gives it quite the weight of credibility that the film needs. Needed. Yeah. yeah.
0: It wasn't coming from David Soul.
1: Although also Ed Flanders, who doesn't get enough attention. I love him in it. And he has a, he brings a great weight to it as well. One of William Peter Blatty's favorite actors to work with in the ninth configuration in Exorcist I need 3. To see yeah. Ninth configuration. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's great. I don't know. I love David Soule in this. Uh, I I, I feel like I'm going to defend the guy. Uh, Maybe so. I don't know. Yeah. Have you not seen Pentathlon with Dolph Lundgren? No. Okay. We'll we'll talk later then. Oh, my God. He gives an off-the-rails performance. It's pretty damn good.
0: Not the restraint he shows here in Salem. No, 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 no,
1: no. No restraint in that one.
0: Okay. Well... No. We'll look forward to it. So the Marsden House itself I thought was amazing. It has the most... Well-lit cellar of any house I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. With a dogs huge hanging cellar. in antlers and... You know, the
0: inside kinda... of the house itself is astonishingly well done. Yes. I mean, they really went out of their way and blew that one away. It looks fantastic. It's almost another character in the movie. It's a shame we don't get to see the inside of this thing More until the last... More of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 30 minutes or 20 minutes or so of this whole thing.
1: That That might be what you were talking about. We would have liked to have seen... Those abductions where mm. they take them to the house or anything like that earlier in the film, you get a lot more. It,
0: it does feel like most of the action in this movie takes place someplace besides where the movie is looking. Yeah, yeah it time. is a lot off screen,
2: but that yeah. could be back to
0: a budget thing. Or it is a TV movie
2: budget and the time. Like I know that like there Morris were... Day? I know no, that there time. were... Yes, that's
0: exactly um, what she sorry. was talking about.
2: <laughs> ...gory <laughs> movies out and all that, but for sure. a TV movie, I feel like it probably needed to be more reserved. And I could be completely wrong in that, but...
0: Was the Savage Bees all that gory? I don't recall. No. No? Uh,
1: or <laughs> what was the...
0: i trying to think all of what else bats. was done in the late 70s on TV movie, TV scare movies specifically.
1: More ants, you know.
2: Yeah. Tarantula, Tarantula of the, the Deadly movies.
1: Cargo. Mm. What
0: mm. was the ski lift one? <laughs> Death on a ski lift, or
2: what something a like that. Nice title. Remember.
0: Oh, they all had great titles. Yeah, <laughs> no, Kill no Dozer. question about it. Killed okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to imagine that as a TV movie, but it totally was.
1: Yes, definitely. A bit weird. Part of the ninety-minute TV movies.
2: But <laughs> since there wasn't ratings for television things then, like there is now with oh, yeah, they, TVMA they go, and things like right. that, was that an issue with what they could show in them?
0: Well, you're talking, everything had to go through standards and practices with the the network. And it's just whatever they were willing to do.
2: And I feel like that's why we get a lot of off-screen stuff, though. Because it is a television. It's not like, if this was a movie, I think it would have been, like a movie movie, Mm -hmm. it would have probably been different. But being for TV, it needed to be more reserved.
0: TV was very, very timid then. I mean, the word sex was never mentioned. Exactly. you didn't hear the word bitch on TV until Tess came out in its own miniseries, I think in early 80s, if mm-hmm. I remember right. It just wasn't something that was done. And the, So for Salem's Lot to do what it did was pretty damn remarkable, really.
2: And that is one thing, like, I I liked this. Yeah, the
1: adultery and but everything
0: But it was this, very,
2: yeah. yeah. And even with um, Barlow, I feel like he probably was definitely too different much? for the no not too much but different like maybe not what you would have normally seen in horror well, TV a, movies then
0: he was a throwback he was, he was Nosferatu was yeah clear. but no yeah. that
2: wasn't a TV movie
0: no and they didn't have TV back Right, then. right 19, 20, but you, movies.
2: <laughs> you get what I'm saying yes.
0: <laughs> no I, I and was,
2: Tess was 79
0: 79 we, so it would have been later this
1: year yeah. so uh, let's talk about Reggie Nalder. What about Reggie Nalder? As Barlow. uh uh-huh. First of all, 1979 was the year of the vampire. There was more adaptations of, like, Dracula, anything like that. Was, it,
0: was that Frank Langella? Yep. Dracula year? Yeah. Yep. Okay.
1: Love at First Bite was the same year. Thirst was the same year. And then there was a, the porno film Dracula Sucks with Jamie Gillis' as Dracula. Reggie Nalder's in that same year. Oh, no. And a couple years prior, he was in Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. So this was a total sideways move for him. It was it mind. was a long shot for him to be in a vampire-infused film, yes. <laughs>
0: no. um,
1: good old Nalder. If he wasn't doing, you know, devil movies, he was doing vampire movies. Or porno movies. Yeah, thankfully.
2: Sometimes all three.
1: No. But there was an R-rated cut of Dracula sucks, by the way. But anyway. Who cares? Right, exactly. <laughs> That's the cut I saw
2: back mm. in the day. Didn't Salem's
0: Lot, didn't this get a theatrical release? It did, in a different European.
1: Version? Oh, European. Was it, it only was, here in Europe? Yeah, but for the longest time, that was the only version that was available in the States because that was the one that was on home video. Oh. And then when, like, early 90s, they put out the two-tape mm-hmm. full presentation and Laserdisc as well. But yeah, for the longest time, you could only get the two-hour version
2: did is, they cut it at all in Europe? I'm only curious because I know that they were so stringent on things because yeah, of like video w- nasties and all of that.
1: Well, no, I mean they wouldn't have had really. I mean, it's not graphic,
2: there, but you know. some of the but stuff in, that they chose f- to put on that list fact, didn't need to be on. Right, it. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, certainly. There was like stuff that evidently was added, hmm. but I honestly, to this day, I don't, I don't know that I've seen the difference in the version is like, Hmm. as far as like So is the steelbook
2: from Best Buy the regular version?
1: That's the three hour cut but that's what Warner Brothers puts out now and they put it out on DVD. They've not released the theatrical version although both the DVD and the Blu-ray have the theatrical trailer which if you look at it it says 1980 instead of 1979. That would make sense considering how
0: late this thing came out in
1: 1979. Right. Yeah. So that was the market over there because I don't think it ever... It maybe later on played in television markets overseas, but it went theatrical.
0: It's surprising that they even bothered releasing it overseas in a way, because I don't know how well a European audience would even relate to something like this. This is something that came up when I, I read the book in college as a part of a class, and we had a lot of European students also in that class. And we would go into talking about yes, death of small town America, and we get into ghost towns and they would just look completely confused.
2: Which is so funny because they have small townships and things like that yes, there. But
0: they never abandon any of them though. The concept of simply burning your town to the ground and walking away true. just doesn't happen. True. In especially mm-hmm. in places like Italy. Mm-hmm. They they will stay someplace forever. The idea of a ghost town is a foreign concept.
2: That is true.
1: So. Well, the other thing, too, is the reason why it would have gone theatrical is that following year was Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, 1980.
2: Yeah. So pushed King's stuff So,
1: yeah. Stuff I mean, Carrie oh. was a huge success prior to that mm-hmm. anyway. Where that had a lot of went, nudity, though, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that goes I mean, a long way. But so it makes sense that it would have been out there because that's was, the explosion of King was really 80, I would think. Firestarter, I think. Firestarter was 84. 84.
2: Was Carrie... A TV movie or a movie movie? It was a theatrical okay. was that's what theatrical. I thought, but I wasn't sure. Because when you mentioned the nudity, thing, was I was like, wait a It was later remade as a, a TV minute. movie. Mm-hmm. And remade again sense, as a yeah. theatrical. So Bonnie
0: Bedelia, this is one of the f- earliest things I think she was in. This is before Heart Like a
1: Wheel, wasn't it? Yeah, Heart Like a Wheel yeah. was 83, but she'd been on Then Came Bronson, the Michael Parks, the pilot movie, which uh-huh. was like 69. Wow. And she'd done... She'd done quite a few movies, a lot of TV stuff up to then, but as far as like prominence, that might be one of her bigger projects. She's probably one of the
0: best parts of this entire oh, yeah. of this entire movie. She yeah. was clearly destined to do better things.
1: And you could see where you could you could kind of fall for her. I mean, you know, she's
0: Especially if you're an older gent. Ben Mears' whole relationship with Susan in this TV movie. so thought you were gonna say
1: Sears, because you were going on the Sears. Order.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> But I don't quite get where where he was in this relationship because she, she gets abducted and he makes zero attempt to rescue her at all. until the ending. No, he didn't even try then.
2: The thing is, is they really... I don't remember
0: him looking for her that hard.
2: Well, if... Well, he in
1: finds her. At the very end of the
0: movie. Yeah. Yeah. She well, tracks
2: yeah, because they changed down. that all completely.
1: <laughs> kind of, yeah, that's true.
2: Because she found him. Yeah, she says that. Where in the book, they specifically go back. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. To kill her. And it makes me mad that one character that's not even in the movie, that's in the book, that I would have loved to have seen his death scene in a movie. And that's where he falls, because the steps yeah. were taken away, and he falls down into the knives that are through the... Like, I would have liked to have seen that. Mm. They kind of recreated it with the one character, but it's not it doesn't, the it's same. It's not the
0: same, now. So But this is the bit where... He
1: <laughs> <laughs> supposedly... Let's talk a little bit about how these clips are titled um, for the listening audience. This one's called Salem's Lot Fuck Susan. Yeah, this is
0: this as far as I can tell is as close as he got to trying to rescue the new love of his life in Salem's Lot.
2: What's it been, two weeks?
0: (laughs)
3: Of
0: course, they brought gas cans with them. Missed the house completely.
2: Yeah, really Wait for it. Sorry, Susan. That's okay. it. The wind—it's blowing towards its town. We also talk
0: that's, that's about the, That is the rescue attempt to get <laughs> Susan. <laughs> That's a bold attempt.
2: I also love how he runs Perhaps off with the a little fire boy.
0: Perhaps the fire will scare her out of the house.
2: <laughs> and I don't mean it in that way. It's just weird because I even thought about it when I was listening to the book. He just kind of adopts this child and they just go killing vampires. Vampire like. Well, yeah, I mean, why
0: not? <laughs> in Mexico,
2: mm-hmm. well, no less.
0: But who follows them to Mexico? It's never really clear how many vampires there are. It's They make it look like only six people live in this entire town.
2: Well, that's because all, they all but eliminate all them, the characters
3: from the book. All but two
0: of them which are Ben Mears and this kid are vampires and now in a House on Fire. So who is it? Who trails them to Mexico? Do they piss off some Mexican vampires along the way that we don't know about and again shown off screen or
1: Yeah, they would be off screen because <laughs> they, when he does the holy the holy water sequence, he's like, you know, they're onto so us.
2: Weird. Yeah. There's like things that they left out that could have really helped the story. Yeah. And then there's things that they put in that I don't understand why, except to show that bad things happen in this town. Like the adulterous relationship. Why that did we need the, that? We,
0: several precious seconds were taken away as we get an explanation of why this guy doesn't like caffeine
3: yeah, that happened.
0: Like, I, I, this is all valuable real estate that could have gone in a totally different direction. True. Just didn't. We get a lot of dinner scenes. Yeah. Um,
2: Which add <laughs> nothing really.
1: No. Except they got a full belly out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. This is good for sustenance. <laughs> but I agree. The whole
0: uh, confronting Crockett and Tubbs over their adultery is just. <laughs>
2: like i said I unless it's just show to bad things happen in this town
0: there's already vampires well because
2: even well and <laughs> I, I will say this much <laughs> but you know, you know
1: like,
0: it does
2: show that for instance you you spoke about how the kids were the first victims yeah and then the you know, one guy is taken after he's confronted about his adopter's relationship it shows that they feed on weakness so mm-hmm. when you aren't in the right state of mind or you're a child or things like that, those tend to be the victims. So it does show okay. you need to be weakened for them to be able to attack you. Maybe like, I don't know what they're <laughs> trying to show with any of that. Cause all the people who become victims are either
0: useless. Well, not mu- useless. I but you know,
2: useless. you know, I mean, you're not wrong, but they're, <laughs> they're weakened in some way first. So like when the boy's mother, mm-hmm becomes a victim. It's she's so grief stricken that she just can't even function. Like it's it's like they have to be broken down before they can be turned.
0: No resistance. Nothing? You got nothing on that? <laughs> no, I mean it's
1: you know
2: That's it's... the only thing I can think of to show some of these situations. Because like even in the book you've got the young married couple who got pregnant too soon and she she's so miserable because he's always at work and then they turn the baby. So, yeah, which it's... the baby is weak and then she is then in turn abused and raped by her husband because he thinks she killed the baby and then they're turned because they're grief stricken and all of that. So it's like just a slow representation of all of this bad thing happening weaken them for them to be fed on. But that I could suppose. also be an
1: infatuation. That could be too. Yeah. I don't
0: imagine they'd get, vampires would get all that infatuated with Fred Willard. I'm, I'm, Not a knock
1: against Fred. I don't
0: know.
2: uh, Well, and they don't ever really talk about...
1: Like got to (laughs) him.
2: They don't ever really talk about them feeding either. It's just turning
1: Mm, people
2: into vampires.
1: That's true. But they have to in
2: order to... I mean, you're right in regular vampire lore, but they don't don't ever really broach that. Because I remember even with the movie, it's almost like the one son is taken to be fed on and then the other son is turned. Because that's, in turn, what causes him to die, is he has the whatever, anemia. Pernicious anemia.
0: Because yeah. he has that's been
2: bitten, which then is why he turns into a vampire. But then you find out that the other kid has been turned too. But I remember thinking, oh, well, maybe they just took him to feed on him and then returned the other kid to do his work, basically. This
1: is too complicated. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like <laughs> whenever you're... When they, when they open the the shop, or the, you go in any environment, there are zero turnstiles seen. So, what? <laughs> so for turning, you would think a town like Salem's oh, Lot would want to have David. some turnstiles You're going to be in.
2: fun. <laughs> the sad is I thought I knew what he was going for, that I was like, nope, it's just Nathan.
0: Sorry. They're not playing any birds records? No turn, turn, turn? Oh,
2: no, wow. Nice. None Very of that.
1: nice. No, it's just, you know, kind of a... You would think that would be the go-to thing, Aaron. It's Drusel all subtext. Blatt, but,
2: but if you uh... if you look at King's work in general, I'm gonna put this back on topic. If you if you uh, Are we were uh,
1: off topic. Of Turnstiles. So, like... Is
2: this the Turnstile podcast? It might yes. be.
1: It might be. <laughs> By the but, way, uh, this one's broken. Whatever sells going. the most merch. That's it. A... <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you look at King's work in general, it's always about, like you said earlier, the evil. And the weakening of things. Mm-hmm. So like in it, when they leave dairy they they, they're fine. But when they return to dairy, they start becoming weaker because of everything that's happening there. And then with like pet cemetery, like he, oh, I don't want to go into that one just because what I was going to say was a spoiler. And I don't necessarily want to go in. I mean, people know, but yeah, I also yeah, don't yeah. want to be that person either, but it always shows that weakening of a character that will in turn allow the the bad to happen to them. Right, right. Because if you're strong.
1: It's a commonality. Yeah, because themes, if you're headstrong
2: yeah. and all of that, you're not going to just be like, oh, please, just let me become a vampire or whatever. Right. You're and going. That's not mm-hmm. who they're
1: going to go after anyway. Exactly. You don't want to victimize those people because mm. they're going to be a tough sell, as mm-hmm. they would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this brings me back around to
0: the whole Walmart thing. And. Well, King was always. I've seen you there lately. Well, King would would always poke fun at institutions. He loved poking fun at institutions throughout his work. I can't imagine that this wasn't on his mind—that this weakening of small-town America Mm -hmm. as a whole was a whole metaphor that they took on in Salem's Lot. Possibly, it kind of
1: makes sense to me. That's definitely something that would have been.
2: Well, just small-town in general. Mm -hmm. They're probably easier to weaken anyway because they don't know the trials and tribulations of the big world. For, I know that sounds so dismissive, but you get what I'm saying. Like, people who tend to grow up in smaller towns tend to be more naive, tend to be more inward, you know. So, it kind of shows it on that level as well. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. I could see that. Kind of fear-based, we're never yeah. leaving this place. Right, right, right. <laughs> Stuck in. I mean, really it literally takes a in vampire
2: it. infestation for them to leave i mean well, no granted he came back because he had but gotten doesn't out. it always only
0: the one kid got out remember well, because,
2: well, he, well
0: <laughs> nobody else survives this thing out of all this ben Mears rescues that one kid
2: well i take ben but he Mears had great as a taste in well. like, universal
1: monsters and he was a cool kid they really oh, yeah, don't yeah, expound really...
2: upon that as much in the movie as they do in the comic i mean the the book i really? wish there was a Sale and comic
1: well they yeah they took deliberate like care to get, like, the same type of model kits, evidently. Mm -hmm. And I
2: liked that. that But it's the only nod you get to it, the posters on the wall and things like that. Whereas in the book, Mark goes to them going, this is vampires. Like, separately from Mm -hmm. Ben and Jason, knowing it. It's Jason, right? Yes. Okay. Knowing it's vampires. Because the teacher even says, well, somebody's well-read. Like, he acknowledges, like, oh, wow, you know your stuff. Ah. Because in the book, both of the Glick boys are going to his house to see his universal monster stuff whereas they have to hide it because they're not allowed to see scary stuff so they're going to see his train set and like that's why they're even going to mark's house not to rehearse some school play yeah Was, so I wish they had expounded upon that more in the movie. Well, we because he was a big repressed. old monster yeah. nerd. Like yeah, yeah, and I yeah. like mm. that.
0: Do you think after they set fire to the Marston house they went back and picked up all his collection from the from the house? Maybe I hope so, at least
2: <laughs> was.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's, that the you know, something we didn't get to see. Because there is a whole there's a whole like you know, there's months, right? In between. Yeah, because sure. they don't
2: even really say that.
1: So at least they spent at least half a day. So going what, back it wasn't, and collecting belongings. So the sequel wasn't Return to Salem's Lot to get my, all my oh, comics. Oh wait, did someone, say, did someone say a return to Salem's Lot? Larry Cohen's it,
0: log there? The, the poster, the tagline on the poster was they went back for the comics and all that shit.
2: <laughs> all that shit. <laughs> hmm.
1: It would
3: have
0: been
1: a very different movie. You it is a very different movie, just in general.
2: Do they ever say the time between when they leave and when Susan shows up? Because I think the only time stamp no. we get in it is, this is two years before. Because the opening scene is them I getting the holy did, water. I it but I could
1: be totally wrong. I want to say it said like a few months later or okay. something. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. Right. Not that I remember, no. It, or you just take we, it and we you're
0: start, like, oh, okay, this takes place much mm-hmm. later. We start the movie in Mexico and mm-hmm. then it flashes back. And
2: it says two years prior.
1: So... He
0: couldn't have been hanging out in Sam's Lot for two years, so I would That's think... That's just
1: it, but I'm thinking
0: he's going from like, community to community ben Mears and ends comes up there. No, Ben Mears comes back to town, and in a matter of a few hours, the whole place is on fire, and they're full of vampires. Which,
2: that is funny, <laughs> because in the book, it is probably over the course, I would say, at most a month, where it is very close-knit in the movie.
0: Mm, very.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He he shows up, he picks up Bonnie Bedelia, three days later, the whole place is on fire.
2: Right.
1: It's a
0: remarkable turn of events for, for Sam's lot.
1: Yeah. I think, but hey. So he's the real fire starter, is what you're trying yeah. to say.
0: Ben Mears is the actual villain of this entire movie. None of this would have happened. That actually
1: is a good perspective, though, because think about it. He kind of is. He ruins it for everybody. because
2: well, if everybody had just become vampires, it would have just been a little vampire town. Just because it's it never really simple. shown little that little they're looking town. to go outside of it. Right. The Chamber of, of always,
0: Commerce is going to put that damn on for that sure. Damn Mears so. kid coming I back mean, and just uh, wrecking come the ship. Come shit see America's everybody. little vampire
2: town. <laughs> yeah. And I always mess up his name, but... Straker. Why don't Straker. Always, he Strayper. uses the word, we have chosen to retire here. We have chosen to retire here. Like, and it's like, maybe they just wanted like a little vampire community. Because it yeah. didn't really seem like they were going to go outside of it.
1: Right. Well, it's like, a little? yeah.
2: So, they just want to run their little furniture shop, get the tourists to come in, and then that's it.
0: So, it was right from the beginning. Ben Mears is a dick. Yep. <laughs> That's a good enough stopping point for me. How about you guys? We didn't get to Larry Cohen, man. That's right. We'll get to-
3: <laughs>
0: We'll get to Larry Cohen some other time.
3: Oh my god.
2: That's it. The show is over. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day.